Our second scripture lesson for today is found in Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, we have justified through faith, we have peace with God through Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. And you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, what much more, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. The word of God for the world. Well, before Moses began leading that huge group of refugees who had just escaped from Egypt, he had lived in this area where they were now traveling, and so he probably thought he knew where the resources were. The second year that I served in a church, I was doing my favorite thing as a minister of education and youth, taking the teenagers on a ski trip. (laughs) Some months previously, I'd gone to Gatlinburg to check out the lodging, which had been highly recommended by our church minister of music. He thought that this decrepit uh, landlady kept a really quaint and inexpensive lodging. In fact, I think he and his wife had honeymooned there about 10 years uh, previously. Well, she showed me one cabin, and I thought its rusticness was appropriate for a gaggle of teenagers. So, on that bright Saturday of the Martin Luther King holiday, we boarded that that yellow school-slash-church bus and headed off to to Gatlinburg, uh, and I was so excited. I was going to enable these wonderful kids to encounter Jesus in group building, um, in Jesus, in in God's beautiful out of doors, in the wonderful deprocessing that we would experience in scripture and youth style worship. And they seemed quite pleased that this lady minister was going to take them on the first ever church youth ski trip. Well, we were all excitedly unloading, and one brave kid marched out of their cabin, and they announced that the pipes from the sink to the floor were rusted out. 
and as I inspected, dust balls proliferated under the beds, and the heat did not work. Did I feel like Moses? Well, at least, at least they did not blame God, but brother, did I blame Mike Williams, who was the music minister, who was not there. Well, at Free For All, we heard similar youth minister and college uh, group leaders and travel agency yarns, but you just heard this huge one from some Hebrew descendants. And then, actually, in the book of Numbers, there's a sort of parallel story to this incident that you may recall. Uh, This occurs after the Ten Commandments were given and when the nation was closer to the promised land. But in in that second telling, you recall that Moses was told to speak to the rock, but instead he struck the rock, as in our story today. But in this Exodus text, Moses... He was filled up to here with the complaining and whining of the thirsty people and beginning to absorb a sense that there was a threat on his life. And so he cried out to God. (laughs) What do you think God said? Go. No pity party here. Go, Moses. Take some folks with you. Get, get busy and walk on down there to Horeb or, or Sinai. And I, the I am that I am that I promise to you, I will be there to meet you. I'll be standing on that rock. And you come with those other folks and you strike that rock and water will come out. And we know that it did. We heard from the descendants. Maybe this was a miracle in a way, but it seems to me that it was really not something out of nothing. The resources were already there, just needed to be tapped or maybe hit pretty hard. But then later the people came and drank and camped right there in the site of the giving of the law, the Ten Commandments, that would refresh and and stimulate their lives together in, in the rest of their in continuing even today to us so all down their history and even in their worship the recollection of Moses as the instrument of getting water from a rock stood out as a sign of God's promise and presence and care Psalm 78 It's entitled God's Goodness and Israel's Ingratitude. We read, God split rocks open in the wilderness and gave them drink abundantly as from the deep. He made streams come out of the rock and caused waters to flow down like rivers. Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert parenthesis, as in making the golden calf. They tested God in their heart. And then Psalm 105 and 114, Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. And they're told, Remember, 
when there was no water in that wilderness, and it came out of the rock, and let this and all how God has led you, let these remembrances shape your trust and confidence in God on down the road. Well, today in the newspaper, I read in one column, um, a lady complained, it was in the Billy Graham um, column, the lady said, our pastor of 30 years is retiring. I don't know how we can replace him. How can God do that to us? <laughs> well, in, in the political turmoil of the land, does God's absence disturb you? In an interim time, does it seem that God is tardy and, and maybe even absent? Is God anywhere around? In the presence of fatal or chronic disease, or as our family, one family in our church's experience this week, has death has knocked on their door in a very real way, is God really with us? In loneliness and isolation, is God really with us? If our church is not growing in huge numbers, is God really with us? Do you ever just want to take God to task for stuff? Lent is the gift of a special season when we work at confronting the deep stuff of our lives and our church. When we think it is not as we think it should be, is God really with us when there is no water? Where is God? Well, water is serious business. It's, as we heard today, it's the stuff of life. One can't live long without it, especially in a hot, dry climate. Becoming dehydrated is a serious medical condition. Our bodies born through the waters of our mother's wombs require water. And so those Hebrews had a legitimate claim. To, they, they had a legitimacy to complain and lament to God. God, you're leading this journey, so where is the water? Well, water is even more than survival, too. It cleanses and refreshes, renews. It enables crops and animals to grow. It, it makes apples juicier. Water is becoming even a more precious commodity in our world. There are more cases of unsafe underground sources that come to light. A couple of years ago, there was one here in Henderson County. You recall there was an, an unused gasoline tank that had been underground where there had been a gas station, and the seepage from that was infecting some, some nearby personal or individual water wells, and it took the city about a year to, to, to correct that. We also know that fracking can cause polluted water supplies. In the central Florida area where Dutch and I grew up, the authorities in that county were selling water to the neighboring county where brackish salt water was filling their limestone underground reservoirs. And eventually, our county began to suffer water loss too. They had to hire an attorney to lobby for the county's water to the tune of $100,000 a year. Water is precious. And to not have it is indeed tragedy. 
Tragedy may be similar to the deep, gut-wrenching struggles of our lives and families. Sometimes it seems that there are even outside oppressive forces that seem to defeat our spirits and our bodies and our living. So a Lenten journey, and I believe even an interim journey, opens illuminating encounters with God to say, God, are you with us? Or maybe to say, are we, are we with you, God? We might pray with Walter Brueggemann, God of all our times, we have known since the day of our birth that our primal task is to grow to basic trust in you, to rely on you in every circumstance, to know that you would return when it seems you are away, to trust that your seeming absence will soon be evidently present, to be sure that your seeming silence bespeaks attentiveness and not neglect, to know that in your abiding faithfulness all will be well and all will be well. However, God, you are not always easy to trust. We pray with parched throats, and our prayers sometimes are more habit than hope. They sometimes are gestures of just sort of well-being. And sometimes, because of your seeming silence and absence, your indifference and your tardiness seem glaring among us. And so we can be drawn to a golden calf or some lesser god or easier, lo easier, easier loyalties or a quick fix or many forms of self-trust. God, where is the water? Well, God looms large in this Romans text. Paul speaks of victory in the midst of tragedy. Victory by means of what would otherwise be tragedy were it not transformed by the redeeming power of Almighty God. Paul throws out challenging words like peace and hope and confidence, and he mixes those up with suffering and reconciliation. In Lent and in the messes of our lives and the world, he says there's peace like a river in our souls. And we can emerge with some victory because we have that peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ and we stand in that magnificent grace we know in Jesus. Harold Songer notes, though, that peace is not just the absence of conflict or strain. Peace means being in harmonious and cooperative relationship with God in the midst of whatever else. Peace means being in harmonious and cooperative relationship with God in the midst of whatever else. Where there is no water, tap the rock of Jesus Christ and there is peace like a river.
And then Paul goes on to say, let us boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. <laughs> we can brag on God, not because of our earned righteousness, but, but, but God's victory through that tragedy of the cross that emerges into the victory of resur resurrection. That kind of victory infuses our living. It's not our doing, but it's God's doing. And then Paul reminds us that boasting in, in uh, God, God's peace, we also boast in God's hope. And that hope is not just something out there in the future. The sign and foundation of hope is experienced now because God's love is being poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, not dripped, poured into our hearts. And such hope in our current life is an assurance of God's redemptive care in the midst of life's struggles, in the middle of a deep, searching Lenten journey with our Lord, in the midst of an intensive search for an interim minister. When there is no water, there is vital hope for it now and in the future. And then Paul says this counterintuitive thing. He said, let us rejoice or boast in our sufferings. Boast in our dry, parched throats. Kind of terrible news for pity partiers that we like to be. Avoiding pain and suffering or at all costs. We look for quick fixes to situations. No wonder, no wonder our hope is thin and not much boasted about. Songer says what God has done in Christ means that our hardships, our sufferings, our deep thirsts wear a new look. Maybe, maybe the fashion, the new look, um, and meaning of peace in God through our relationship to Jesus. Our hardships and sufferings are the gut-wrenching issues where that fashion of the confidence of hope in Christ because Paul says, sufferings, dry parts throats, produce endurance, or as Artie reminded us the other day, persistent patience. And persistent patience is indeed needed because life-thirsting times never seem to have short lives about them. And so persistent patience is is. Uh, the result of our sufferings as we live in Christ through that and this endurance or per persistent patience produces character or depth of personhood or steel-like virtue that is strong and this kind of character produces God-filled hope. Well, can you really rejoice in suffering? Can you be glad to go through it um, knowing this process Paul observes? Paul says, hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And this is all rooted in the living and dying and resurrection of Christ in God. Even while we were sinners, 
And Paul says even we could have been God's enemies. But in Christ, we are being reconciled. We are being drawn into relationship to God. And even in that reconciliation, even in that being reconciled to God, we also become agents of reconciliation to others as peace and love and hope flow through us. So the Lenten journey is not simply about self-awareness, but it's about emerging and growing transformation through our sufferings to be more like our Lord so that we can even boast in them. Maybe one day we might be able to say the good things that happened in the interim back there at Providence Baptist Church. God met Moses standing on that rock on the source of water. That Bishop Shelby Spong reminds us that water from that rock of God is not a product or a process or a program. He writes, Jesus is for me the way to the heart of God. Jesus is for me the truth by which my life can be lived with theological and human integrity. Jesus is for me the life who has made known to us all what the meaning of life is. So I call him Lord, I call him Christ, and I assert that this is where God is met. When there was no water, to Moses, God said, Go, I will meet you at the rock, and there will be water. Paul invites us to go to the rock, our Lord Jesus Christ. In our Lenten group the other day, at the conclusion we sang, Steal away. Steal away to Jesus. When there is no water, steal away, and God will meet us on that rock. Steal away to Jesus.